The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show. Cross green. With host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to episode 62 of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I am Tyler Laurie and I'm joined as always by my co-host and enemy, on the left coast in LA, Zandrick Ellison. Zan, I can't be in favor of LA. We obviously tape on Wednesday, Nats, Dodgers, game five. By the time this airs, people will know if I'm devastated and you're happy. You're not really a baseball guy, but it's going to be more of a contentious show. I just wanted to let you know before I introduce you. <laughs> I wasn't even sure. I said I'm not a baseball fan, so I, I wasn't even sure what you were referring to. I thought you were going to lead into the China stuff and you are going to acknowledge my allegiance to the glorious nation. Uh, the People's Republic. I'm throwing my hat into the ring there. So, yeah, we want to talk about, uh, first of all, just real quick, uh, Bovada Sportsbook, you can get the Nats plus 142. And I just want to put it out there that I already got in on that. So it'll be even worse if they lose because I bet on them. But on to China. So I don't want to joke about this. Obviously, we like to have a good time. And it's, it's, it is interesting. It's been very funny to watch all like the stick to sports people like Clay Travis, like get up in arms about ESPN, just not commenting on it. But this is a really big issue right now. And so I will kind of let's kind of break down how it's. Yeah, well, I have so many thoughts that I'm like trying to figure out like how to um, articulate them and which ones to hit. Because, you know, we're not going to dig into the actual issue itself, the Hong Kong independence. And, you know, that that's like too wonky for us to understand. And we don't want to be like those people commenting on stuff that we've like read a Wikipedia blurb about. I'm sure it's more complicated than what we think. I would hope our listeners understand that we are obviously in favor of democracy everywhere. So it's not. I'm, I'm not personally, but I mean, democracy just gave us a questionable president. So, right. The two party system might not, you know, not to get way down the political rabbit hole, the two party system may not be successful, but like censoring your entire country is obviously also not a good way to run your co- country. So, I guess that's where I, I would hope we agree. And if we don't agree, then we can just end the episode right now and it'll be the shortest. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. The more and more I think about it, the, the more uh, questioning I have about you know, just turning everything over to the mob. Uh, I don't know if the average people really know what they're talking about, about Hong Kong or about like which president to pick for us or anywhere else. But let's talk about the NBA side of that. Cause that's what, that's sort of our specialty. Right. And we can think about that. And, and I think it's such a major issue. So if you haven't followed the story, I think you have like Daryl Morey tweeted out his support for Hong Kong independence and, um, shockwaves throughout China. Like they're canceling event after event. There's just a new one there, you know. So we should say, right, the the way this happened originally is like he tweeted that and then he deleted the tweet like quite quickly before Tillman Furtado told him to delete it. But then Tillman, the Rockets owner, who is a loose cannon in his own right, like tweeted out like, hey, the Rockets don't stand with Daryl Morey, which was like insane in its own right before the whole like China thing even really escalated. That was like the first five hours of this was like, Tillman immediately threw Daryl under the bus, which is fine. Like, I totally get it. Like, he's a big-time businessman. I was, we were talking off the show, like, he's into casinos. Like, the gambling market in the Far East is a big, big deal for a guy like him. So, like, 
I mean, that part was insane in its own right. And to be honest, like we were joking around or not really joking. Like we thought there was a chance before this even blew up that Daryl Morey could get fired for this tweet. Well, you know, and they have, and just for like a broader context, like why do people care so much about China? Um, Why do businessmen care so much about China? Here are like some numbers just to throw at you here. Um, The U.S. has 330 million people domestically. It's a good size market, you know, um, in terms of spending power, we're, we're much higher than that even. China has one point, nearly 1.4 billion people, uh, four times the size. So in terms of like global population, the U.S. is about 4 or 5% of the global population. China is about 18% of the entire world. So if you're like looking to expand your business and a lot of these like major corporations, they've sort of like, that's their MO. Like if you, if you're a businessman, like it's all about growth. Like how do you keep growing? How do you keep growing? And if you feel like you've pretty much conquered and maxed out here in the States, like it's inevitable that you would start looking at China as the way to expand your, your business. Yeah. And the NBA, we know that's a huge market for them. I, I would venture to guess we have not nobody's really come out with like financial numbers of like how big the market share for China is in the NBA in, in regards to their growth. But we know that David Stern and now Adam Silver had like huge kind of grand plans of making the NBA a global league in China is one of the most important things. So we know that like Houston, the Rockets were in China and playing games there. And then also, we know that like the Pacers and the Kings played a game in India. And I, I do think obviously India is a big part of their plan as well, because basketball is maybe not quite as developed there in terms of like fandom, but, but Chinese basketball and like the CBA and all that stuff over there. And I, I mean, Chinese basketball association, not collective bargaining agreement is a very big deal. And the Americans that go play in that league are legitimate superstars and get paid tons of money to be over there. So the idea that like the NBA is even that next kind of frontier is a huge, it's a big, big deal. It's a huge deal in money, but we have not seen, nobody's released any sort of numbers on stuff like that yet. And I don't think the NBA will because this is such an interesting thing now with China basically claiming like, well, now we're not going to show any NBA games. Yeah, well, and and so like I'm conflicted on the sense, like knowing that, knowing that how important China is financially to the future, it's incredibly I don't want to say dumb, but it's it's sort of like a mistake. And I think Daryl Morey would say, like, in hindsight, maybe I should not have tweeted that. It's just not worth it. It's not worth poking the bear for my, like, mild support of Hong Kong. You know, it's not going to, like, move the needle for them. It's just going to really screw me over. Um, at the same time, you would naturally think you should be allowed to say whatever you want. Like, you know, and that's, I think, the bigger issue that, like, Americans here are, like, bristling against. It's not so much, like, Hong Kong, China. Um, I don't think people really know much about it. I don't think people really know much about the Ukraine. I don't think people really know that much about Turkey and, and the Kurds. But the idea that you're not allowed to say certain things um, is what people, sticks in people's craw. So, like, that's what I think the backlash is all about. And part of it is, like, you know, we learned – I mean, I, I was a journalism major in college. Not that I do anything with that now. But we learned about, like, Google China and stuff and how different, like, you might go on Google there and search something and – you ain't going to get the same results. Like it just doesn't work like that. And if there's stuff that Chinese government doesn't want you to see, like you just don't see it or they just outright fabricate stuff like that. That is probably more, I would say like, that's probably over a little bit more overblown than people think. I don't think there's just like blatant lies over and over again, but there probably is a lot of lying going on and there's a lot of protection. But I, I have a friend who went to grad school in England to play basketball over there. And there were a bunch of, he had some Chinese players on his team and they talked about how ridiculous it is to try to go and get information that is not one-sided. 
when you live in China. And I think. Yeah. And I, maybe you want to, I don't know if you want to edit this out or not, but that's one of the things I hopefully, I mean, if anyone's a Trump supporter, you know, plug your ears, but like, that's, what's like so damaging about our current president is the idea of like demonizing the news and the press and fake news. Can he wants to control the media in the same way that China does in the same way that Putin does in, in Russia. Um, it's like, it's like silencing like dissenters and it's a very effective way to do that. Um, it kind of goes against what we, we tend to think of ourselves as, but I mean, that's what I think the danger of like Trump or somebody like Trump or like, I always fear like, what if there's like a super likable guy like Trump who just like manages to convince people that the media is against him and he can just control it. It's, it's scary. I don't want to cut this out. I don't want to get too far away from obviously the basketball aspect of it, but I don't want to cut this out because I do think this is the very interesting part of this, right? Because once this happened, you know, and, and I think this is why we have, you know, we have coaches coming out ardently against Trump, like Steve Kerr, Greg Popovich, like we've heard that. And obviously like a lot of the best coaches, not, I wouldn't say a lot of the best coaches, but a lot of other coaches, you know, we're not hearing Bill Belichick talk about Donald Trump. We're not hearing Nick Saban talk about Donald Trump. Like that's just not happening. But honestly, that's, you know, blending sports and politics is something that's being harder and harder to ignore. And we know, I mean, it's come out since then that ESPN sent a memo to their on-air talent that was like, do not talk about this NBA in China thing from a political standpoint, just talk about the basketball in China. And, you know, the NBA knows like they need those numbers. And, and obviously this is a, a staunch kind of difference between what ESPN was maybe a year and a half ago and what they're trying to be now, because I think they realized, you know, more left-wing politics, if you will, has, has hurt their viewer numbers. So I was surprised, though, because the NBA does pride itself on being very much like, you know, and Adam Silver, for that matter, too, like let players express themselves like, you know, you want to tweet whatever you want to tweet. And, and when this initially happened, you and I and Blake Harris were texting about it. And I said that, you know, the NBA itself has no sort of like morality tweet clause in its, you know, in the contract you sign. But a team can have that because the team controls it. So it's very possible that like Daryl Morey could have been fired with cause. I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. We don't know what happened with the Rockets, but it was so odd to watch the NBA sort of just like wait and just be like, oh crap, like what do we do about this? Right. Well, you know, and it goes deeper than that. Yeah, I think it's interesting you brought up the NFL because, you know, I think because of Yao Ming and for, for other, like maybe aesthetic reasons, I don't know. Like the NBA is caught on in China in the way that the NFL it's, has not. Well, it's, it's a little different, just real quick. One, Yao Ming, you're right, huge deal. That's why the Rockets are like, you know, other than like Clay Thompson, like I would argue that James Harden's probably, you know, China's second favorite player. But I do think, you know, with the NBA, one, you can see the players. Games are quicker. Right. No, no, I, I think it, it just naturally translates across the globe better than the NFL does. But culturally, like, dynamics between owners and players like the nfl is still very much like top down belichick's the king and everyone else is a foot soldier you know even and um and i think largely i, I give lebron credit to a point for this like turning the tables in the nba it's now player empowerment like maybe it's gone too far i don't know but it's about voicing your opinions and like kind of like this sort of like shaking the um you know, that sort of to use the term, sorry, a potentially offensive slave master mentality um, and like giving the players the plan, the power. And, and I think for a, you know, regime like China, like it's sort of like culturally, like that's not really their MO, like individualism, you know, it's like, and so I wonder like if they're rethinking the whole idea of like, 
like it's fun to watch LeBron dunk, but like is what he's saying and what he's doing like inherently um, subversive to us? I don't know if they're thinking that. And this is why, like I said, this is why this is like more of a nuanced discussion than I think of like, oh man, you have to stand up for democracy because like the NBA, you know, Clay Travis who – he just loves like stirring the pot or whatever and claiming he's not biased or like he's not one-sided. Like he was, I mean, he did make an interesting point. Like the NBA was like lauded for moving the all-star game out of Charlotte because of the bathroom bill. And then they don't talk about this. And like, right. Well, that's, that's the other thing I want to talk about. And that's cut you off. Like I was watching, um, it was like the MTV. I don't know if it was the VMAs or, um, like the movie awards. I don't know, whatever. And it was like Taylor Swift, um, was, it was, I saw in the news, big political statement by Taylor Swift. What's it going to be? She's coming out strong. She's having a hot take. And so I watch it and it's Taylor Swift comes out in support of gay rights. And I'm, and she's like, everyone's equal. And I'm like, that's great. I think we all agree with that. I'm sorry. Was this in 2019? In 2019, this year. Wow. And, and the point, <laughs> yeah, she's really leading on these issues. And the point I'm making is like, she's embracing a social issue that is also incredibly popular and like consensus among like young demographics. And so a lot of like the woke like takes that like LeBron James and all these players come up with their anti-bathroom bill in in Carolina, they're also kind of like consensus takes, you know, in the States. This is an unbelievably good point. And this is why, like, this is why I think this issue is so crazy, right? Because let me ask you this. Zandrick, if you had to guess, and we saw this with Steve Kerr, right? He just did not blindly say like, hey, I support what's going on in China or I'm in support of like Hong Kong. You know, he didn't say that. How many people even knew if you asked somebody like, hey, tell me what's going on in China right now. Like, tell me how, tell me what you think of the Chinese government. They'd just be like, oh, it's communist. That's it. And and it's 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 not I mean it's not even like totally like communist in the way we think. And but like, you know, and and to the you mentioned Blake J. Harris, of course. We always have to plug his his stuff and it reminds me of that, his latest book, um, History of the Future. Everyone's supporting f- free speech, right? Except when you disagree with it. And so his book, you should go buy it. It's about this guy, Paul Marlock, who founded VR and happened to be a Trump supporter. And as you might have gleaned by now, I'm, I'm really not. I think he's horrible. Um, but this guy got fired partly because of that. And so why is it okay to silence his opinion? Um, when we're supposed to be this land of free speech. Um, so it's very like pick and choose like our battles. In the so so one of the things that ended up happening this was with this is that the NBA kind of waited, what, 24, 36 hours, maybe like they waited a little while and they issued a statement and China was not happy with that statement. China wanted sort of like a groveling apology of like, hey, we don't support what this guy, what Daryl Morey said. And you know, the American translated version was very, very neutral. I thought the Chinese translated version was a little harsher on Daryl Morey, but it wasn't like condemning him. And then the net, the Nets owner came out too. Like that was before this. Yeah, Joe, Joe Sai. Yeah, he came out and he, and he actually, but he, he was in favor of Daryl Morey. Correct. I read a little bit of it. I, he, I don't know. He was kind of like, he was kind of explaining um, because he, he is like, um, more knowledge. I'm trying to think if he's actually Chinese or not. He's Taiwanese Canadian. Um, he explained more of why China might've been triggered by this. And, uh, and, and, you know, the intersection of sports and politics is like so fascinating because, you know, you, do you want to just stick to sports? Do you want people to, you know, be themselves? And like, I personally would prefer that people be themselves. And like, if you don't support them, that's great. But you also, 
you know, it's just like this Ellen DeGeneres, like George W. Bush thing where they're sitting next to each other. And Ellen's like, you know, I'm friends with people who have different viewpoints than me all the time. And I think that's okay. I don't think you need to blindly come out and like condemn China. We don't live there. It's like, we don't have to necessarily worry about it. A lot of people would wish that the U.S. has a little bit more laissez-faire attitude than they probably do right now. Although Trump is, you know, a little bit more like that, I think. But then Adam Silver doubled down on the statement and came out and supported Daryl Morey. So it's like, it, it, it seems like. Yeah. But you know what? Like, I'm kind of, you know, I'm happy for that Silver did that. But at the same time, like, it took a little bit of outrage for him to do it. And he always tends to be like, he always tends to be like 10 seconds behind the crowd. He's very reactionary. That That's one of your biggest problems with Adam Silver, who we, I think we both agree. Like, I don't know that there, there's definitely not a better commissioner for the no, no, I, lo- I like him too. But like, and same with this, whether you support free speech or whether you want to be a true leader, it's like, it's about like, do you have the balls to say what's unpopular at times? And I don't think he does, <laughs> to be honest. And it's fine. Like he'll go with like the room, like, you know, he'll like lick his finger and like see where the wind's blowing. And, and that's probably the right way to go. You know, when your job is to please like all these different parties. Um, but like at the same time, like that's, that's sort of the point. Like, even if what Daryl Morey said, like I disagreed with, I, you know, if I was strongly disagreed with it, like what if Daryl Morey came out and said, Trump should be King? Um, shouldn't he have the right to say that? Like, I, I think so. That's sort of like the values that w- I think we're supposed to support, but I don't know if that we do or not. And, and that's where, like, what is, what do you think the NBA is going to do? Like, are they just going to take the hit that is not getting revenue from China? I think it's going to blow over, honestly. like, Do I, you? Do you? I mean, it, the NBA may think it's going to blow over. I don't, China. Well, that's the thing. Like, And I think, <laughs> you know, one of the reasons you don't F with China is they're incredibly organized and like they, they have like the, you know, same with this trade war thing. It's like, they'll, they'll stick it out. Like, you know, like they're being run by like businessmen in like a room. Like they're not being run by like the average Joe. Um so it's scary in that regard. And and the other scary thing is too is like that's what I think the US and, and the NBA has to think about. Like, do we really care enough to fight this fight? And it, if it's about Hong Kong, probably not. If it's about free speech, hopefully so. Um I don't know if we even care that much about that though, either. Can they take the financial hit that this might incur? I think so. I, I mean, they're successful. They've put a ton of money into NBA China and like basketball without borders. Like I actually know a guy who was a college basketball coach who now works in the NBA office and he is in China full time. I mean, I, I mean, I should have reached out to him, honestly, Matt Blue, but you know, it's like, I think the NBA is like, whole, I, I, I think Adam Silver is upset because he, he's painted into a corner, right? Like if he came out and he said, Hey, we're sorry, we don't stand with Daryl Morey. Then, like, he's a fraud, right? He 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 couldn't say anything else. Well, and else he was getting heat for it. Like, I, I think the NBA could live without China if they wanted to. It's like it's like Starbucks. Like when I say you know companies always try to grow and grow and grow. It's like Starbucks is selling pastries now, you know. And yeah, like Starbucks' that- food is terrible. By the way, I just want to go on the record. Like their food is awful. Like their food is just so bad. The cake pops are good, but it's so yeah. Bad, it's, always, it's always depressing when I order something there and then you see them like, oh wait, hold on, let me get it, and then they bring it out of this big box. <laughs> yeah, they like throw like a you know you get like a Canadian bacon egg on an English muffin. They just throw like a packet in the microwave, and you're like, this sucks. Like I just paid nine dollars <laughs> for this. But my point is like the NBA is like like the American market is sort of like their coffee. Like that's like their, 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 they could survive. They can make money just selling NBA basketball to the United States. Um, 
but like their expansion efforts like would get hurt like you know and, and I don't know I don't know either and this is again like this is why we kind of debated whether or not we were going to talk about this and and I often come off as wishy-washy on the show because I don't like to give opinions about things that we don't really know behind the scenes but since Yao Ming has been out of the NBA, I don't know what the NBA's growth has been like in China. Like Li Ning spent a lot of time, you know, they had Dwayne Wade for a while, they had Evan Turner for a while, they, they you know, they had Lou Williams for a little while. Like Li Ning had spent a lot of money in America. I don't know that they're still doing that. They, Peak is a, is a, you know, Chinese company and they, they do, they had Clay Thompson, we know is a big deal over in China, James Harden. Right. That, that's a great point. I didn't even think about like, what is Clay Thompson being like, like this really hurts his brand more than anything. And so that, that's where it's like when James Harden kind of made a statement, he basically was like, Hey man, like I just play basketball, which I think is totally acceptable for somebody like James Harden to say, but it's also probably very coached. Like we have never seen a guy like James Harden come out and give a lot of opinions about anything that isn't basketball related. And I think that's just because like, you know, not to steal the whole like Michael Jordan, like Republicans buy sneakers too thing. Like, I just don't think James Harden cares. And I think that's totally fine. Like he doesn't, I don't think this is going to sound crazy for me, probably the most liberal person that you know, but like, I don't think it is to be expected that athletes are up to the minute aware of everything going on all around the country and the world and that they should have to give an opinion on it if they really don't have one it's not an indictment on a guy like James Harden or a guy like Clay Thompson or Steve Kerr if he says like look man I haven't really researched a ton in China no but you know that's like a it's not a liberal I live in LA by the way you're hardly the most um but I uh you know, the scary thing is like, you're right. Like I, that's why I didn't really comment on the Hong Kong stuff. I don't really know the issue in Turkey. I'm learning about it. I'm, you know, learning about this stuff. I wouldn't act like an expert. Um, but I hope we don't get to the place where, and that's the right attitude. Like if you're a LeBron James, you shouldn't comment on issues that are nuanced that you don't really understand. I hope we're not getting to the point to like the Blake J. Harris, Palmer lucky thing where people are just scared to voice any opinion just because it's not worth it. You know, like now, like if our podcast was like, you know, on ESPN, would I be allowed to say something anti-Trump? Probably not. So like, what, is it worth it or not? You know, like, am I going to screw over my own business just to like voice my opinion? Um, I hope we're not reaching that point, but it feels like that. Like, is, is any opinion worth the backlash? I mean, uh, the Wall Street Journal saying like this could potentially cost the NBA a billion dollars. Yeah. I mean, it, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure Terrell Morey, like, what do you think he was thinking? Like, do you think he like really thought that the backlash through and he really cared or it was just more like a flippant, like. I mean, I, we can have like a longer discussion about whether or not anybody in a position of power should just be tweeting. Like a flow of information is great, but like if you're Daryl Morey, you know, I don't even know if his, he's the most active front office member or coach on social media. I, I, I honestly can't even think of in any sport. You know, he, he, I mean, he's liked some of my tweets in the past. Like he listened to a podcast with a guy that was on the Rockets G League team for a while. Like, so it, it's like, he's very active. I don't know if he, I mean, I don't know, man. Like, I, I certainly think, I, I certainly think he knew enough to tweet them. He knows enough about the issue. He has an opinion on the issue. Like, do you think he thought through the potential ramifications? I don't, yeah, I don't know. I really don't. Because my, my question would be like, okay, if I work for an NBA team and I'm spending a bunch of money to take my team to China and Daryl Morey, I, I would say 95% was on the trip. I don't actually even know. I, I believe he was, but like, aren't you bringing somebody in who's like an expert in sort of like Chinese culture to tell your team how to act. And wouldn't it be covered like, Hey, now don't make any comments about Chinese government. If somebody asks you, because this is the way that goes, like 
you would think that the Rockets did that, right? Like some sort of like media or like cultural training. Well, and, and now I'm getting a conspiracy theory here because. Oh, I love it. Let's do it. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking for Daryl Morey, like digging into his big brain. You know, he's probably, you know, like wants to be the smartest guy in the room, might be the smartest guy in the room in terms of NBA GMs. I, I've told you this before that somebody I worked for told me that Sam Pinky was legitimately a genius, but Daryl wanted everyone to think that Daryl was a genius without actually being one. That's what I, that's a direct quote from somebody wow, I worked with. That's who you, now, not me. Who, that's who now actually holds a, we worked indirectly together, I should say, but he now holds a very high level position for an NBA team. Like he, he's in the news. <laughs> so Sam Hinky is a good example because it's like, He's a genius. Wants I think he wants everyone to know he's a genius. A stupid letter that people praise that was not that great. That letter was ridiculous. Um, that letter was ridiculous. Sam Inky, like he's not in the NBA for a reason. Like either he maybe he thinks he's better than it, or he gets bored with it, and he's this super genius. Why should he care about you know stupid guys playing basketball? Does Daryl Morey have like one foot out the door in Houston and thinking? This is my conspiracy theory. No, this total speculation being like, look, if this hardened Westbrook thing doesn't work out, I might be out of here anyway. Do I want to plug my life away as an NBA GM for like the Charlotte Hornets next year? Or do I have like grander ambitions? Do I want to be like, I don't know, like Malcolm Gladwell and write books on the world? Or I don't know. I don't know what his dream is. Malcolm Gladwell, first of all, real nuts, by the way. That's a guy who's overstayed as welcome as like a famous author. But I don't – here's what I would say about Daryl Morey. I do believe – and you know, obviously, I am, you know, Mr. Daryl Morey. Like I think I, I, I re- really respect his, way, his like ideas of being very flexible and kind of like changing things up when guys don't really do it. He can have an NBA GM job next year if he gets fired by the Rockets. But I – But like do you think that's his dream? Like in 20 years, do you think he sees himself as like – um, a GM in the league, the same place he's in right now. I don't know how, how many like super old GM, like how many career GMs are there? And like in, in baseball, it happens more often because it's more of like an old boys club or whatever. And now teams are kind of realizing like, or have realized that like that older line of thinking just doesn't really work anymore. But in the NBA, like there's not a ton of, I mean, super old, like tenure GMs. Maybe that's, you, you know, you just kind of like, like your Rod Thorns or your Ed Stefanski's like guys like that. Like they're now like consultants, you know, like they're, they're not running a team. So maybe, maybe Daryl was, wants to do that. But I, I will say this, Zan, like, I think that it is Daryl Moore. It is consuming Daryl Moore's life to win a title with James Harden. Like, I really believe that. And he is going to do this for as long as he had, as long as he can. Now, whether obviously that's not 20 years from now, only LeBron will still be playing in 20 years, but and Zion potentially. But but like I think that's that's the front of his mind. And I wonder, my biggest thing is like, I don't think Daryl Morey cares that he cost the NBA billions of dollars, but I bet you that Daryl Morey was terrified that he was gonna get fired not for not doing his job well, but because he did something like this, which, you know, quite honestly, he I just I sort of agree with you that like he had to know that this was not gonna go over great. But I don't think he thought it would be this level of backlash. Because like I said, if, if the projections are right and like this is a billion-dollar hit, like somebody's got to answer for that, right? Or the NBA behind closed doors is just like, well, this is kind of the, uh, the bed we've made for ourselves by like encouraging stuff like this. So let's just live with it. Like, I don't, I don't know. I think it's super weird and I think it's super interesting. Well, I, I think we're both right in this sense. Like, I think Daryl Morey wants to win a title. Of course, obviously every GM does, but like, it's sort of like, you know, he's captain Ahab. Like this is the white whale. He needs to like, not only win a title, but like prove himself and like his method, you know, and like his genius. And, but I think to my point, it's, 
I don't think it's like, hey, I want to win a title and then I want to go to, you know, be the GM of the Knicks and slowly build them up. Like, I think he wants, I think in 20 years, he's going to be like the CEO of like some venture capital firm or something like that. Like, I, I you know, I, I, we talk about that with Brad Stevens too. And like, I think Steve Kerr maybe like, I don't know if they're just like, there's going to plug away as like MBA sidelines for their, their lives. So, so one of the things that's like super interesting and, and not to plug create your shop, but like when we talk to coaches, it's like, okay, what are your ultimate goals? And we talk to a lot of head coaches, also talk to a lot of assistants. And it's like, you know, assistants, they want to be head coaches, head coaches, like they want to win. When you ultimately reach like the peak of your profession, and I would say like titles aside, like Daryl Morey is at the absolute peak of his profession. Like he's a general manager for a team that's one of the best in the NBA. You know, what drives you beyond that? And, and again, like for Daryl, like, who knows, maybe he just wants to do this for 30 or 40 years, but it's a hard job. Like it's, you've made a ton of money. Like, don't you want to do something else? Like what gets you up in the morning? And that's the biggest reason I wonder about Brad Stevens, because everybody acts like Brad Stevens is super intelligent. And like, if he just never succeeds in Boston beyond like just being good, like does Brad Stevens want to go somewhere else where he can be great? Like, does he want to go back to college and try to get like the Duke or North Carolina job when it opens and win a title or, or Indiana, right? Or, or not even that. Like, I could see, like, Brad Stevens being, like, President governor, of the United gov- States. No, literally. Like, Steve Kerr, like, I think has, like, a political interests. And, like, I could see him doing that. And his dad did that kind of stuff. And, I, you know, it's, you know, Bill Simmons, you know, of um, The Ringer. I forgot the name of it. You know, talks about the disease of more for players. Like, they, they do well and they want to do more and more. And then it becomes too much. Like, and he, it happens for everybody. It happens in everything. Yeah. It happens yeah. In everything. And, and he's sort of like a good example himself. Cause he was a great, um, you know, pop culture slash NBA writer, um, who wants to do more and more and he wants to have his own website and now he wants to have his own TV show. And now he wants to have his own, you know, podcasting. And eventually like he, he's like fulfilling his own theory. Yeah. And it's, and it's interesting with Simmons too. And this is a little bit off topic, but like now he's doing this documentary thing. Cause he was very involved in 30 for 30, which ESPN has kind of buried his role in that. But now, you know, he did the Andre the giant doc, I believe. And you know, he was really involved in a Diego Maradona one that was really good. And, you know, Simmons, it's funny, like he got away from what he was really good at, which was like, he was a man of the people. He was like, you're, you know, the sports guy, like every day, like I'm at a bar, like this is what I'm talking about. And he was a great writer for a long time. And now he's a terrible writer. Like now it's like, like well, he's I, a bad, <laughs> no, but I'm saying like, he got away from that. You're exactly right. And I, and I wonder, you know, this is why I, I laugh about this all the time, but this is one of the reasons why like really, really great players don't make good coaches really outside. You know, I think Peyton Manning would be, but You've made a ton of money. You've done this your entire life. You're better than everybody. Why would you go and try to teach people to be as good as you are? That's just frustrating. Like, you're not going to do that. You don't want to fail. So, like, just ride off in the sunset and, like, play golf and get better at that. You know, it's why you don't see guys like that. Yeah, well, and I think the ambitious thing, we talk about, like, businessmen, like, wanting to grow and grow and grow. And I think people want to grow and grow if if they're having success. And I think Daryl Morey is the kind of guy who wants to transcend the role of GM. And I, and I think, you know, we're going to talk right now about like the most marketable players in the league. I think somebody like LeBron James wants to grow beyond being a basketball player. Right. Like he wanted to be the first like billion dollar, like a a billion dollar athlete, like a billion dollar brand, right? Like beyond, you know, it's sort of like, and this is, this is going to sound like a racial comparison. So like, please don't take it as such, but like it's a guy like Jay-Z, right? Like he becomes a rapper then he, you know, then he's doing some like acting stuff. And then all of a sudden, like he's just worth a ton of money because he has his money and a ton of stuff. And he's now a businessman. Like he's no longer Jay-Z the rapper. He's Jay-Z like the NFL hired Jay-Z to like help with their cultural issues. You know what I mean? Like right. that's how wild <laughs> this kind of situation is. And I think that's when you look at guys, like it wouldn't stun me if Daryl Morey wanted to parlay this job as general manager into being commissioner of the NBA. 
Yeah, I, I don't. I think he's too much of like a maverick to do that. But like something like that, I could see. That's why I said like you know uh, like a tech firm or whatever. Uh, one one, one last point on this China thing. I think one of the biggest issues, and this is what we have not seen yet. There has been no apology from anyone, right? The NBA did not apologize. Daryl Morey said he didn't want to offend anybody, but he did not apologize. Tillman Furtada didn't apologize for Daryl Morey. Like he said, he doesn't speak for us. And I think that's where China has really dug their heels in. So I do think if the NBA comes out and says like, look, we're sorry, it is not our place to comment on this stuff. And then Daryl comes out and says like, yeah, I'm sorry. Like this is my personal belief, but like obviously like I don't speak for everybody, but I'm sorry to have gotten involved in this then maybe it'll blow over. But I don't see, I don't, I don't see that happening. Like, because China's going to want them to make a big statement. You know, China's going to want to get out there and Daryl Moore be like, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. And he's not going to do it. You know, and the NBA's not going to do it. So No, and I think they have to dig their heels in there because it's like, like at the Starbucks coffee thing, like that, this is where their bread is buttered. Like, you know, their base is the U.S. market. They can't alienate like the home base. I mean, you know, they'll try to mend fences later but, on. But let me... Let me ask you this, and again, like we didn't expect to go like thirty minutes on this, but who cares? Like, what what do you think? Like, I, it doesn't bother me. Like, I'm not like, man, I'm so glad I root for the NBA, or man, like I wish the NBA said more. Like, I just want to watch basketball, and I know that sounds crazy to say, but like, do you think that like if the if if Adam Silver didn't come out and back Daryl Morey and say like, hey, our players are allowed to say what they want, like we pride ourselves on that. Would that really hurt them in the U.S.? I mean, clearly the trade-off, they're not losing a billion dollars if they come out and, and force Daryl Morey to apologize. Like, they're losing much more money this way than they are. I don't, I don't think, like, we're probably giving the U.S. public a lot more credit than we should, right? <laughs> well, I think, you know, there's this sort of, like, perception, I don't know if it's reality, that, like, the Kaepernick stuff hurt the NFL. Um, I don't know if that's true, really. But, I mean, I think the NBA worries about that kind of stuff. Um, and they're worried about, you know, alienating the players and, and everything else. But you're right. Like, like I have so many like moral issues with the NFL um, for like a thousand reasons, but I still watch <laughs> on Sunday, you know? I was actually thinking about that. And then, we'll, we'll transition off this, but one quick story. Like, did you see Mason Rudolph get like destroyed yes, on Sunday? I, honestly, like my reaction was probably the same years. I'm like, I think he's dead. He might've been dead. Like somebody walked up to him. He's like laying lifeless on the ground and it was a clean hit. Like he got hit. Errol Thomas kind of hit him in front while somebody hit him from behind. Like it's just a violent sport. Right. And so somebody walked up and like taps on Mason Rudolph's chest and he is laying like lifeless on the ground. Like he was probably unconscious for a full, I would say like minute maybe. And Juju Smith-Schuster is crying. And it's like, I'm sitting there with my wife who almost never watches football. is like, what the heck's going on? And I was like, I don't know, Mason Rudolph might be dead. And I, I just sort of laughed about it. And I was like, man, this is the problem with the NFL. Like, it's super violent. And like, but you tune in every Sunday, you know? Yeah. And I love the NFL's like response to the security concern. I mean, safety concerns is like, hey, how about 18 game schedule? That, that might be fun. But, but also at the same time, and this is how hilarious like the NFL is like, Mason Rudolph is like trying, they, they like get him up. They, they take his like face mask off and everything. And like, you can tell like he's not 100% sure. Like he has no idea what happened, right? But he's like limping off the field with like four dudes helping him. And he's like, can't really even walk straight line. But they couldn't get him on the stretcher because the guy was too dumb to like operate the cart. So it's like, how stupid is the NFL, you know? And again, like you said, so many moral concerns, but like. We watch it. It is a good product. I mean, I'm popping red zone. I'm popping red zone on every Sunday. What's up, Brian Deegan here. I'm excited to bring you our podcast, The Deegans, that will be every Wednesday on Podcast One and Apple Podcasts. 
We'll be covering many subjects such as racing, family, how we stay together, how we thrive as a family. So I think it's exciting. We're going to cover all those subjects and many more. Be sure you guys check out our new podcast, The Deegans, airing every Wednesday on Podcast One and on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. And I'll tell you, and I, I'm, I'm, you're in a, uh, baseball mode. I'm, I'm in football mode. But now we're starting to see preseason basketball. And I'm fired it, up. And you get into it. I mean, like, you know, we saw um, some guys shooting threes. I think Steven Adams shot three. We'll talk about Ben Simmons in a bit. Hitting threes like Steph Curry. Um, and the, the guy I saw the most highlights for was Zion. Um, and like the dunks, you know, and it's just like immediately like headlines, headlines, like so many clips. And it got us thinking, like talking about market and global market and just marketability. Like, is Zion like the, the most marketable? He's certainly the most marketable guy to come along in a while, but is he currently the most marketable player? I don't know. He might be. So first of all, I just want to say this Zion currently on Bovada is better than two to one to win rookie of the year, which he's like minus one thirty. It's crazy. You watch him against the Hawks in preseason. Like John Collins is an incredibly athletic big man, right? Zion just takes the ball, like, rips it right by him, like, bang, right-hand dunk down the side. And you're like, why is he making actual NBA players look like they're unathletic? It's amazing. It's, it's, I, I, don't know, I don't know how <laughs> bad his season could be for him to not win Rookie of the Year because it the, highlight, be the highlights are going to be so outrageous. Like, again, there is better value on Bovada for, like, Rookie of the Year. Like, I really do feel that way. But the highlights are going to be so outrageous, and Zion's just going to be everywhere. It is amazing. Like I remember um, one last football comp, but like I remember like watching Saquon Barkley at Penn at, at playing Iowa, I think at the time. And I was watching him like, this guy is just different. Like I've watched the NFL for 20 years. I'm like, this guy's the best running back prospect I've ever seen. Just, he's like just athletically different than everyone else I've seen before. And like Zion is the same way. I'm like, this is the most athletic dunker I've ever seen in my 30 years of watching NBA because it's crazy like to talk about him like he's so much different than LeBron and like at the time the media coverage was a little bit different like LeBron was one of the first high school guys that was on TV decently regularly like he obviously was on the front of ESPN but it didn't feel like physically he was bigger and stronger but when LeBron really grew into his body I want to say like 21 22 years old when you watched him you looked at him you were like dude this guy's 6'9 260 like it was amazing to watch, but he was still like kind of lanky and he had like great bursts of athleticism. He was really fast with the ball, but he wasn't like jump out of the gym. He was definitely more athletic than everyone, but it, it's not the same as this, like his explosiveness. It, Zion looks like he's on a fucking pogo stick. I, it's crazy. It's just the explosive. Like it looks, it is like shot out of a cannon. Just like, cause he doesn't, it's so funny. We talk about him cause he's like six, six. He just got measured whatever 270 he's like stocky looking and then like the funny the, i think it's funny the way he walks it looks like he's waddling like back and forth and then all of a sudden it's like whoosh, it's like superman he he literally looks like the purple guy from space jam like that's what he looks like he's kind of like the flat and it's crazy so we we're talking about this marketability thing right so we wanted to do a little draft of like who are the most marketable global stars because i don't think zion would go number one Right now. Well, don't spoil it. You, you never know. know. You're going to have the first pick. We're going to do a little snake. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you can take so Zion the, if you want. But Well, it's just a more like, where does he fit in? And so like, where does everyone fit in? And these are not based on numbers. These are projections. So let's say we each start our own shoe company. And we have the ability to, to draft these guys for our, for our team and represent us globally. Um, 
for what, like 10 years, 20 years or forever? How long do you want to say? Forever? Yeah, 10 10 years. I I think it's like what's next in terms of the NBA, like expanding globally. And my argument just earlier was that like Zion is a massive star in the United States and, and right now might be the most marketable. Like how many more, how many more athletes do you think are more marketable than Zion in the United States right now? Well, even like, you know, I said we were going to do more football comparisons, but like Patrick Mahomes is like clearly like a superstar. Zion but is a million I, times more marketable. Than right. Him. I just think in terms of like visibility and like common person, like if I ask my wife, she probably knows Zion and she doesn't know Patrick Mahomes. Like in terms of like actual global marketability, right? Like you have your two soccer stars, right? You got Messi, you got Cristiano Ronaldo. Those dudes are through the roof marketable. Then you got like LeBron. You had Tiger Woods. I, I still think he's probably similar up there, but like, to get to that level that like Michael Jordan and, you know, I'm sure Federer and Nadal are, are obviously up there too. That's very global and they're foreign, but like, I don't know, you know, like I, I think Zion could be there. I think well, Zion let, could be let's there. not. So, so we're going to go, so what is it going to be? I'm going to get a first pick. You get second and two, you get two or no. We'll do a little snake, snake draft. Yeah, Pure snake. snake. Draft. Okay. Yeah. How many do you want to do? Three or three? Five? Let's do three. Let's do three, three each. Um, you don't want to do four because then you get even split. Whatever. Yeah, go ahead. Do four. That's fine. It doesn't matter. <laughs> okay. So I get first pick. Go. And I already know you're not taking Zion number one. So I'm not I, I'm not even sure if I can maybe I can save Zion. Um for the next 10 years, you would naturally think, wait a minute, you gotta look in the future. LeBron's the most famous, but he's 34. Is that still a good investment for my company, the Zan shoe company? Uh, I'm still taking LeBron James because I do think he's transcended. He's achieved his goal, transcended being a basketball player. And I don't have the numbers, but I'm sure like Michael Jordan is still making, you know, tons of money. And, and I do think um, for the younger generation, like they're not going to remember Michael Jordan as like the coolest guy in the room anymore. They're going to remember like the crying Jordan meme. And like for a lot of them, LeBron is the goat. And I think his popularity and fame is going to last for 30 or 40 years. Um, so I'm taking LeBron number one. Yeah, and I think that that's an important thing to note. Jordan still sells more sneakers himself than any other like signature sneaker guy. They obviously signed Zion. He's supposed to probably be the next guy for Jordan. I think it's interesting because I think there's there's like an argument for like, okay, is LeBron the next MJ? And I, I agree with you. Like he, we've heard he has a lifetime contract with Nike, which he obviously does, and I don't know how much it is. I've heard a billion dollars, but that that doesn't sound that doesn't sound correct. I would guess, but. I think you're right about that. And, you know, it's interesting to look at guys and be like, okay, are they uh, an Allen Iverson type sneaker seller where their stuff's really, really popular while they're playing? And then, you know, they kind of get away. And that might be more Kyrie Irving where he's not super popular later on, where you can maybe re-release one of his shoes 20 years from now and people will buy it. But like, it's not how it was. I I would take Steph Curry second, I think. I I think the idea of like being a guard and and also, you know, the Warriors success overseas as well and, and his playing style i still think steph curry is gonna be around for a long time i think his game should age particularly well uh which i think matters and then i would take zion third like i i, I just i think that the the potential for zion to just be this like it just feels like the kid was like bred to be a superstar and i know how crazy this sounds but like the highlight real dunks like he's very intelligent like he's got that sort of smile that like you know mj had back in the day and like i I remember reading like the jordan rules and guys talking about how like everything you put on michael jordan looked good like it'll be interesting with zion's body type but like it just feels like with the marketing machine behind him and social media and the following that he has when he eventually has like you know let's just talk about it like when he does some shack stuff in the nba like if he breaks a backboard or he dunks on you know gordon hayward or something like 
and people overseas start to see that because they don't watch a lot of college basketball, right? Like there's not a ton of college basketball fans, but like when you start to see that, like this dude is going to be big and he's going to be humongous. Like he's going to be 500 million net worth type of guy within the next 10 years. I'm serious. Like just, just the, the way that he plays now, like I said, he could get injured, but it's, there hasn't been, there hasn't been a guy marketable like this since LeBron. And I think like, this is a once in a generation type thing, right? Like this is a once every 15, once every 20 years, perfect storm, like with Instagram, with Twitter. And all he has to do is just play well. And if he plays well, Nike and Jordan will do the rest. You know, and that was sort of like the point of our exercise. Where would Zion rank it? So you have him third. And I had him third too, to be honest, because it's like, look, there's there's some risk. If you're, if you're you know, the Tyler Laurie company is it's banking on some potential downside here if he gets hurt or if he just doesn't develop. And, and you, know, you may say like Blake Griffin, if he turns into Blake Griffin, is that fulfilling his max potential? Probably not, but it would be a great player. So I don't know. I'll tell you this though, like he could be Blake Griffin and be as marketable as I claim because Blake Griffin didn't have like the social media following and like the marketability when he came into the NBA. So he still got the big deal with Kia when he won the dunk contest. And like, he still was around a ton as a really good player, but like Zion, like he's already, the bar for him is already so high. Like his floor is so high, you know, not in terms of him as a player, but like my question you see, and this is another thing too. Like I really want to take a guy like James Harden because I love James Harden. But James Harden's highlights of like the deep threes or like getting fouled or getting to the rim, like they, they don't work like Zion's do, right? Like, no, I you, totally understand that. But okay, so you so you 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 have Steph and Zion as your yeah, mark. Right. Your I mean, I'm already punch. winning. I'm already winning. I'm gonna make a billion dollars in the next five years. <laughs> it's a good it does look like the monsters because you have different body types now too and everything. Um my fourth pick overall, uh I have to go pretty safe here. Giannis, 24-year-old MVP, comes from, hits both boxes, Africa and Europe, now a star in the U.S., good, humble personality. You know, is he the next LeBron? I don't know. But, like, in terms of, like, the game, he's going to be good for a long time. The Bucks should be good for a long time. I think the NBA likes the idea of, of Giannis becoming a big global star. Um that's a safe bet. LeBron's my old, my old dog, my 20, 30 or four year old hands a baton to my 24 year old. Does, does Giannis need to be a better English speaker in your opinion? Cause he's not, ama- he's not an amazing English speaker. He's good, but it's not like he can't sit there and like lean back with the mic, like LeBron and give you a bunch of takes. Like, do you think Giannis will ever be the most popular player in America? Maybe not, but you Africa, know, you, though, how- Africa, that could be a big thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking global. And, um, you know, how many commercials do we see of Michael Jordan growing up? Like he, he's not delivering like, you know, a monologue from Hamlet. It's just like you show him dunk and then like, you know, eating fries or whatever. Um, and then I get the next pick too, huh? And that, this is where it's kind of opening it up. I'm not, I wasn't sure about this pick because I agree. There, there are better players out there. There's James Harden, and, you know, even Kevin Durant, my favorite Kevin Durant. I don't know. I think the, the shine is off him a little bit and he's hurt. Um, I just got a call from my my signature star, LeBron and Rich Paul, and they say, please take our guy, Anthony Davis. Um, I think, you know, he he's also had his, you know, reputation sullied recently. But at the end of the day, the guy's 26 years old. He's primed for a potential MVP kind of campaign. LeBron's going to hand the baton to him literally and alley-oop to him. And if the Lakers win a title or two, like Anthony Davis may be the signature star 
of the NBA just based on play, not necessarily his personality. Hey, you know, you know, my opinion is right now, Anthony Davis plus 700 on Movada to win the MVP. I literally love those odds. They just played a preseason game against the Warriors and like they won by a lot. And Anthony Davis was amazing the first quarter and the Lakers like tweeted out like you've been warned or whatever about week one. Like they are trying to do this. Like they want to put Anthony Davis front and center. He is an amazing player. I don't think people realize how good he actually is. It's interesting that you're predicting such a quick bounce back because like, I do think it's funny. Like, are we so fickle as fans that we're just like, oh man, Anthony Davis, like, yeah, he was a jerk. He was a jerk. We're yeah. going to like, look at all the Kawhi Leonard, like, no, and I didn't take him either. Yeah, like the love take, after. Yeah, he, Anthony Davis is going to have a monster year. I am totally in on it. Again. But you know what I love about my, my roster is LeBron is sort of like the old dog and he's going to hand the baton off to either Anthony Davis or Giannis. If one of the two becomes like the next LeBron, I'm set for the next 40 years. Again, Bovada plus 700 at seven to one. You bet 100. You get Meanwhile, you're relying on Steph Curry's ankles and Zion's blowing out shoes. Yeah, Zion, Zion's an interesting one because we haven't seen like Bigs be super marketable. I'm just going to do one more because we do have one other thing we want to talk about. But I'm going to do one more. I, Kevin Durant is like the obvious answer, but I want to talk about Luca for a second because I, I wonder like how marketable a European superstar can be. Like, I don't. You know, Dirk was very marketable in Dallas, and the NBA did a good job kind of like behind him. Luca was in the same boat as Zion last year in the sense that like he was, you know, kind of crowned the rookie of the year before the season even started. He was great in Eurobasket. He was great with Real Madrid. I'm going to take Luca and try to counter your kind of Eastern European stronghold. And now we can't go into China anyway, so otherwise I would have taken Harden or Clay Thompson, but I'm not going to do that. Uh, do you feel like it is possible – is Luca always going to be more of a villain here around the league other than where he plays or can he be majorly marketable? Cause it felt like Dirk right early in his career. He was a shooter. Then, then he becomes really good. And it felt like, like Dirk wasn't necessarily loved outside of Dallas. And then later on in his career, it was like, man, Dirk's the best. Like he's awesome. But he also was a funny dude. Luca is a little bit different than that. Like he is more of a, like he's more chippy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he does absolutely. seem like he has edge. You know, he seems like a diva a little bit, which is he could be good. You know, it could I mean, be it good. Could, yeah, but I don't know about for his marketability. Um, I think that's a little bit of reach, just because I understand the global potential, but you're counting on him to be all NBA, and it's no guarantee. I, I would say that like Clay or James Harden is probably next, or Kyrie, one of those three. Well, I would yeah, say and Harden, I think, and it's interesting that like uh, most casual fans might say Kawhi Leonard's the best player in the league right now, and if smarter fans might say James Harden's the best player, you say that. Uh, I think Kevin Durant's the best player when he's when he's healthy. Yeah, but and, he doesn't have an Achilles right now, so he can't count. Right, but we're we're passing all these guys and Paul George and and Jokic and, and all these guys who are good, but just sort of like not necessarily like that spark, you know, in terms of their marketing. I, I mean, my my thing would be like, who are you identifying as like the next like? signature shoe type of guy because they don't just come around around all that often and sneaker companies don't just give guys 50 million dollars you know and like kyle kuzma gets this three-year 15 million dollar deal from puma and part of it's that like kyle kuzma is like mr fashion like he speaks out on like social issues lebron like calls him his little bro like but like that's a bad investment like kyle kuzma is going to wear all this wild stuff and just not be a great player and it's just like not going to go well you know and it's and that's where, you know, I've talked about this on the show before, but like I knew for a fact that Under Armour was super interested in Josh Jackson just like four years ago and was like, hey, this is going to be the guy that take us into like the next level. And it just didn't happen. 
You know, it just doesn't happen sometimes. And Andrew Wiggins, member with Adidas, he offered, was like offered $100 million before he went to college and like just didn't happen, you know? And so yeah. I think... Well, and I've used, this com- I've used this comparison before, but like the most marketable female player of my youth was Anna Kornikova in tennis because she was so beautiful. And, and she, I just looked it up. She, her highest ranking ever was number eight in tennis. So she wasn't a great player, but greatly, hugely marketable. And that doesn't translate necessarily to NBA players, but it sort of does in the sense that like Zion's dunking is sort of like the glamour shot, right? Like that, like you're just seeing clips. You're not, and most people are not going to sit around and watch Paul George, you know, go for 24, you know, and with three steals and then like, you know, put that poster on their wall. No, probably not. All right. Speaking of another potentially marketable star, let's, let's get into 10 minutes of actual basketball talk here before we sign off. Ben Simmons, Australian. Neither one of us really talked about him. I think he's kind of too quiet. I think he's a little bit more Kawhi Leonard. Plus, I, like I said, I think the situation in Philly is potentially explosive. So he's not a guy that I think is amazingly marketable now. He could be that guy in two years, assuming he blows up. And part of him blowing up would be making three-pointers. And he hit a three last night, end of the second quarter, about three or two seconds on the game clock, shot it at the end of the half. Swished it, looked real, real nice. Crowd went nuts. His team went nuts. Reddit went nuts. I'm here to tell you to pump the brakes a little bit on Ben Simmons. Again, we we have seen uh, his odds now on Bovada are plus six thousand. They have uh, taken a ton of money in the last twenty four hours all over sites on Ben Simmons winning MVP. I think I saw Matt Moore from the Action Network say that Points Bet USA has the most exposure on Ben Simmons for MVP just off him making one three. My question to you, Zandrick, is will Ben Simmons shoot more than 25 threes that do not include end of half or end of shot clock heave slash situations? Will he shoot 25 threes in the scope of their offense? Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, I wouldn't bet it, but I would take the over because it's like last year he shot uh, rookie year over 11, sophomore year over six. I mean, if he, I don't think how many you scroll down if you're on basketball reference, how many of those shots were heaves? What am I like a basketball reference superstar? Um, let's see. I, I want to say his his rookie year he took he took zero threes that were not either like the last second shot clock situation or well are we not ending. counting that? I mean you'd have. I, I do think that one. That's why I'm saying like he shot it because it was like all right whatever I'll shoot it and he did he stepped into it it looked a little cleaner than normal but he didn't shoot that within the flow of their offense he shot it because it was the end of the half and it was like okay I need to get his preseason. Oh I do I did find it. Look at the basketball reference is really amazing. I recommend it. Um, the, he shot eight, 11 threes, his first year, eight of them were heaves. Uh, they say zero last year. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but, um, I, I do remember a lot of them being like end of shot clock, you know, like late last second type situations, which again, you would expect that he, he tries to avoid that. He's good enough to avoid that. But like, that's why I asked, you know, and I said this before him shooting a three in that situation is very, very different than like Lonzo looking like he has a different form shooting him in transition. Right. Well, I just think I think he's gonna have the ball a lot. As we've mentioned before, they don't have a ton of shot creators on their team anymore. Um, and so I think they're gonna. I don't think he's gonna be you know any great shakes. I, he might shoot twenty percent or whatever. And but if he shoots like half a three a game, I think that's fine. And sort of like what Russell Westbrook should be doing. You know, I looked it up. Russell Westbrook last year shot four hundred and eleven threes. <laughs> that's talk about you know maybe tone that down a little bit hit sparkling 29%. Um, but I do think, and you, you defend Russell Westbrook being like, you just have to make the defense kind of respect you a little bit. And I think well, they don't. Simmons, they don't. <laughs> they, 
you know, but if Ben Simmons shoots like a three every other game, I think that's doable. It's very interesting with Ben Simmons because he may at some point be the best player in the NBA. Like it's possible. And he may do that shooting 25% from three. Like it, he could conceivably be like what LeBron was early in his career when we saw how beatable he was, like the Spurs kind of just played off of him and he couldn't make shots or whatever. And then LeBron turned himself into a very good, he took very good shots and, and got better as a jump shooter. And like Simmons, we're not even there yet. And I, and I think like, as well, much like as Giannis about- is a good, Giannis hit 25% last year. She shot three threes a game more than I would have expected actually. But, and he shot way better in the second half of the season too, than he did in the beginning. He was shooting like 11% for a while. But, like, can Ben Simmons get to that level? Ben Simmons shooting 25%. I mean, like, we saw it with Giannis. Like, you had to guard him. It opened up the floor. Now, they played a little bit of a different system, obviously, which was catered towards Giannis. The Sixers catered themselves to Embiid at the moment. So, it'd be hard for Simmons to win the MVP with Embiid there. But, yeah, like, you're talking about that type of jump. Because people – I think people give Ben Simmons – and I've done this before. Like, he gets a rap for being, like, somewhat passive and trying to, like, make the best play. A lot like early season – early years LeBron – and he did it at LSU when he wasn't necessarily locked in. And now, obviously, like he plays so many minutes with Embiid that like the floor is not space, so it's very difficult for him, I think. But like, if you open the floor up for that guy, like, I mean, he could he could be thirty, ten, and eight. I mean, he could be honest. There's no question in my mind. He was way more gifted than as a passer and like a ball handler than Giannis was. Giannis, it's a credit to him to have gotten so much better. Yeah, and, and Giannis is a little bigger, but I. Is he Ben Simmons is six ten, legitimately six ten. Yeah, and he was measured that way too. Um, I, and but in terms of length, I don't think he's quite as yeah, long. that's uh, yeah, 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 and his hands and stuff. But like, I agree with you. Like, we we went three deep in our in our little marketability draft, and and if we went four or five, I would have leaned to Ben Simmons for those reasons. And I think a t- part of this we've talked about this before too is like tied with Joel Embiid because they're they're so dependent on him as well. Like. You take him beat off that team, he could be averaging 25, 10, and 10 now. Yeah. And it's possible that, yeah, that Ben Simmons will never be quite the score that LeBron was. Like, LeBron always got this kind of rap about, like, oh, you know, he's not really a scorer. And then you look and it's like he's averaged 27 a game for his career. Like, the guy just wasn't like a microwave scorer, but he played a million minutes and he always got to the rim and, like, he, he just scored a ton. But he didn't do what Steph Curry does, where it's like he's flying off screens and there's like a massive three point barrage. And like, that guy's a stone cold killer. It wasn't like that. He just, it was like a clinic, you know? And I think that's more of Ben Simmons' style. Like, I'm going to get in transition. I'm going to get to the rim. Like, and eventually you just look up and you're like, holy shit, Ben Simmons has 34, 11, and 8. Like, how many LeBron games do you, have you watched like that? Where you're like, he's dominating the game. And then you look at the box score and you're like, how did he have 39 points? Like, it didn't feel that way. No, totally. And um, I think it's possible. I, I, and look, the Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid partnership might result in a final strip this year. I don't, I don't know if it's going to last. If, 10 years um ben simmons is 23 how long is joel Embiid going to be a superstar yeah and how like long is joel three Embiid more stay? years i mean how long is joel Embiid going to stay healthy and again he's only play he's plus 1200 to win the mvp on Bovada. that is insanity if you're taking joel Embiid to win the mvp you just are you're literally betting that he's playing enough minutes because nobody's giving like steph curry won the mvp playing like 60 games or whatever and he averaged like 30 plus. Like, what would Embiid possibly have to average to win the MVP? Well, I don't know. If he plays 75 games and they're the one seed, I could see an argument. <laughs> that would be my that would be my favorite prop of all time if his over under on games played was 75. I would bet my life savings on under. 
One last question for you. Like, so we talked about Anna Kornikova having a high ratio of marketability to talent. And I think Zion, until proven otherwise, is higher on the marketability side than the actual production so far. Um, he's just very marketable. Who do you think is like the opposite? Who is like the the most talented to the least marketable ratio? Is it James Kawhi Leonard, James Harden? Is it it's Kevin Durant? Not, it's definitely not. It's definitely not James Harden. There's no way he's very James Harden's super popular, especially for him to have shoes as ugly as he does for them to sell the way that they do. And we didn't really even talk about Damian Lillard, who is very marketable. Well, what about what about uh, Jokic? Is Jokic? <laughs> I mean, he's not sexy. I do. I do want to point this out, actually. And one of the things I've been very, very bullish on Denver and Jokic. I, I am starting to get a little bit concerned about the amount of games he's played. Their playoffs were really long last year. He played all summer. Like he doesn't look like he's in great shape, although he never does. So maybe, maybe you know, I think I touted the over before. Maybe the under with Denver. They might. They might be a little bit worse. But although Michael Porter, like he made a couple shots. I, I think Jokic is my pick for like. In terms of NBA talent, maybe top 10, marketability. Carl Towns is another guy like that, where he should be marketable. He's very smart. He's super likable, but he's just not. And and part of it's, I think, like... It's the big guy thing, too. It's the big guy thing, yeah. It's hard to market size 21 shoes. That's why Shaq is so special, in my opinion. Because, like, that's one of the most marketable guys of all time. And he did that just on his personality. And his shoes were ugly as hell. But it also, Shaq had, like, the dunk. Like, he, did. he did. Jokic doesn't. Towns is not like that. And, like, Boogie Cousins, when he was, you know, putting up numbers, was not really like that. Rudy Gobert, um, same deal. Like, he's Yeah, French, Rudy Gobert like, actually might be the pick, unless he's really popular in Cause, France. Because I, I think know. there's a real argument that, like, Donovan Mitchell has the potential to be, like, a superstar from a marketing standpoint in the next couple of years because – He's such a nice kid. Like he's got a chance to be really good. He's going to play on a really good team. He's got that big smile. Like you could watch Donovan Mitchell and be like, man, this is the guy that we want to market. But I don't, you just don't see that really with bigs. Like, and that's why like Embiid, right? So just to put a bow on this, we'll do the coach stuff next week. Now that Jay Gruden got fired, check out, cause there's no odds on first coach fired on Bovada right now. So we kind of want to talk about that when those odds come out, I think. But one thing on Embiid is like about two years ago, right? He comes back two years, three years, whatever. He comes back. He played 30 games or whatever, and he was, like, amazing, right? Doesn't win Rookie of the Year. But he had all the tweets. He was really funny. He told Jalen Rose he was, like, playing at 81%. And and it still hasn't turned into, like, Joel Embiid being this, like, marketing superstar, you know? Even though I think everybody would say, like, he's one of the funniest guys in the NBA. He does this thing in Philly where he goes to, like, outdoor courts and, like, dunks on people. He was playing tennis the other day in downtown Philly. It's, like, by all, like reasonable ideas he should be super marketable but nobody's lining up to make the joel Embiid ones you know it's not well, happening yeah and i would think most fans i don't know do most fans like him at this point it's like sort of like he's you said he's one of the funniest players it's like it's like one of those like guys in class who's like really funny because he makes a lot of jokes and then you're like he's not really that funny he just thinks he's funny i i have i have as you know i have grown quite tired of joel Embiid and his act and i think it's i think it's starting to happen it, it, you know they have a really young team i think jimmy butler was definitely not okay with it i wonder tobias harris probably doesn't care he's 100 200 million dollars richer he's probably like whatever but like i said that's one of the biggest things i think is like when eventually it's time to win and like you need vets like you need reliability and you need somebody that you can count on and i'm not saying that i know for a fact Joel Embiid is not that guy but i don't think the like instagram stuff about rihanna is very funny when like you're only playing 10 minutes a game in the eastern conference semis you know like that's the part with me like yeah be who you want to be but like if you're not available and like that's what you're more well known for like yeah you're probably right and he might not be that funny 
I don't. I've, I have heard he. I I have heard he's very funny behind the scenes. Too. Oh, okay. Well, you can draft them for your team of you know guys who are a little overrated. You have Zion, Luca, and Steph Curry. I'm not super impressed with your company. You know, well, it doesn't be matter because Zion and Steph Curry are going to make so much money for, for the next couple of years. And then once Steph Curry launches his own land brand of like golf gear because he's going to be like on the senior tour because he loves golf, like Under Armour's just going to print with him. But I think I would probably argue Embiid is probably the least marketable in terms of like what his marketing ceiling should be. And maybe it's just because he's too much of a loose cannon. You know, you just don't want to like spend a bunch of money on somebody who might get hurt, I guess. Right. I don't know. I really don't know. Well, you know, you know who has the potential to be a marketing superstar or step up in class is like Kawhi Leonard. We joke about him. If he wins the title this year, then it's sort of like, Hey, you're the best player in the NBA. And you know what else too? Like, New Balance did an unbelievable job last year, I thought, framing their marketing campaigns around him, like the fun guy t-shirt with like just a period or whatever. Like you have to market to who Kawhi Leonard is, right? You can't try to turn him into somebody he's not. He's quiet. Like he doesn't make a scene. He, you know, we joked about it. Like he doesn't have Twitter or Instagram or anything like that. So like, I think if New Balance has the right creative marketing minds, then yeah, you can make Kawhi Leonard super marketable because of all the guys that are like, I mean, how many people are like shut up and dribble and like, that's the perfect guy to do it, right? Like you could actually, you could make that marketing campaign, although it might be political, like suicide, you know? I have, a, I have an ad. I, you might want to cut this because we might use this. We might. Right, this will be the end. This will be, this will be the end. I, I won't cut it. I won't cut it. Go for it. Because I think we might launch our ad company. This is my pitch. Using his natural talents. You, you have a playground setting, you know, court, Rucker Park. And there's just some guy out there talking a bunch of trash, you know, real obnoxious guy talking about how great he is like Wesley Snipes and, and you know, white man can't jump, you know, barking up. He's the king of the court. Kawhi Leonard says nothing, shows up, just pulls off his hoodie. He's, he's got next comes in there, dominates the game, shuts the guy up. Guy has nothing to say anymore. And then the tagline is confidence is quiet. Kawhi Leonard or shut Boom. up and shut, shut up, up and, and, shut, up and well, shut up and dribble has negative connotation. No, it does. You can't say that. You can't, you can say like shut up and shut but up. But I think the point, or, yeah, the point being like, use it, use the fact that he doesn't talk and, and just it, and just like, you know, like, and I think a lot of people are like that. A lot of people are introverts who just like, look, my work will speak for me. It is amazing what winning the title does for you when all of a sudden it's like, well, people don't really like Kawhi Leonard or like, there's something wrong there. Like, why is he so, quiet like why is he so standoffish is uncle dennis a problem and then all of a sudden you win the title and there's like you know there's billboards all over the place and you're riding the new balance private jet so good for Kawhi leonard cashing in uh preseason action is in full swing we'll talk a little bit more about some initial reactions of preseason like you talked about michael porter that's something we definitely want to talk about talk about you know some rookies first coach fired odds because that's going to be out there soon probably around like october 20th but Fun episode, honestly. the The China stuff is just to- the China stuff is just totally fascinating. Talk like, about t- talk about like uh, marketability. Just one last thing: the ben- highlights of Ben Simmons hitting a three. You mentioned on Reddit is the fourth most popular Reddit thing of all time on the NBA. That's thread. ridiculous. That's like absurd. Like again, I I just want to I want to caution people, and I have never been a like, hey, you don't know what you're watching, like watch the games type of guys. But I do want to caution people. Just pay attention to when Ben Simmons is shooting threes because that's more important than if he's making them or not. It, you know? <laughs> By the way, Ben Simmons hits a three is higher up than LeBron signs with the Lakers. Take that, LeBron. Your time's over, buddy. And in, in between them, Max Kellerman tries to cover up a fart. 
with a cough. So, the, you know, you get a mix of everything on Reddit. Uh, all right. We are out of here. I am at CYS Tyler on Twitter. He is at Zan underscore Ellison. Uh, email the show, Ellison on gmail.com. You like what you hear. Give us five stars. Shoot us up the ranks. I got my other podcast, Create Your Shot, airs every Tuesday. But, uh, Zan, you know, go Nats tonight. Obviously, that's bad radio because by the time you <laughs> will know, but it'll be fun to hear. It'll be fun to hear my anguish. But, uh, Zan, it's, all, it's a pleasure as always. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with your host, Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news. 